Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Salt Mine. This is going to be episode number nine, coming off the first week of the very first NACL playoffs, where Evil Geniuses is not a top 12 NACL team. My name is Gordo. I am joined by TDS and Nyarko, as per usual, and we're just going to go through the last week's set of playoff games and just give some of our thoughts. So I figure we'll go round by round here, start things off with the very first round, uh, the eight matches that were played, high seeds against low seeds uh, that kicked this whole bracket off. Uh, what what series do you guys feel like we should highlight here? So I, I have what? one that I already think should be the most, like, well, the closest one, first of all, the one that I'm glad happened because it made me look good, which is obviously the TSM CLT one with nobody having expectations on TSM and they delivering it. So I kind of feel like that's the best one, especially because I feel like that was the closest when you think about the overall like other games. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair call out on, on where to start. I think that was our only true upset versus what we predicted. We did miss out on predicting winner's bracket, by the way, because we didn't know what the schedule was. I blame lolliesports.com for that particular blunder. But at least we had predictions for the first round there. And yeah, yeah CLG versus TSM, it goes the full five, uh, three games. Um, you know, Michon Aphelios is great in game number one and does take that one game for CLG. But yeah, it really feels like they kind of fell apart there. And I, I got to specifically say, you know, my prediction for the series ends up being completely wrong, right? I really read Jenkins being able to withstand that pressure focused towards topside that TSM had played through for a lot of the year. Um, but I think in games two and three, especially Jenkins kind of kind of crumbles there a little bit. You know, he really struggles on the Cho'Gath in game number two. And then in game number three, his rumble looks uncharacteristically poor. Um, Copy really struggles on that Cho'Gath as well. So almost looking like CLG as a whole has to pay a visit back to that pick in particular. Um, yeah, and they just can't get things going in in those second couple of games. Really, really did feel like, yeah, props are given to TSM. I think Neo and Dragku in particular on the Zaya Rakan are big standouts for that team. But... Really did seem like like it feel felt uncharacteristic from CLG. Maybe that's just me overrating them though. And in retrospect, one can say that TSM, given where they are currently, are both in a meta and in a situation regarding their players and how they're operating. That they perhaps are like the one angle that could have taken CLG down here in this first round. Um, the fact that Anser did so well in games back to back to back. I think really speaks to the fact that this is a roster that could play through topside if they need to, while still having a very, very stable bot in the form of Neo and Drag, who kind of overperforming in a way on that Zaya Rakan pick, like you're talking about, going for it every single one of these three games. But yeah, because CLG is in a position where they have to rely so heavily on Jenkins in a lot of cases. And TSM has all of a sudden found a contingency plan by bot. It's not only the case that Hauntzer pops off. It's also the case that now Neo and drag who have their footing. And from there, I guess it makes sense. And I think it was a very deserved series at the end of the day that TSM walked away with. And even though I'm glad that it paid off, like I thought it was going to go for 
like it's it's the series that I think a lot of good like situations came together for TSM because first of all like and I think the biggest like the biggest glaring problem for me with CLG it's mid lane. Doxa, you know that he's going to be the weakest player on the team and the amount of attention or pressure that I think they committed there was so negligible. Uh, even in the first game that they won, I don't think they did that much to attack Doxa. And it just feels like you're not actually committing to attacking the weakest player in the team. Then, like, if you allow for this to happen with Copy, I'm not, I don't think Copy had a particularly good series, but it also falls into their mid jungle dude to try and be able to commit something there, but it felt so weak. They, they just gave so much room for, like, TSM to exist because nobody attacked Doxa that much. And then the point that I thought was going to be winning for TSM, which was Soblin uh, with the commitment from Svenskeren, they were also playing quite heavily with tanks, though. So, like, even though I do like that they committed to that, it also helped with the fact that you're committing to top lane, but your bot lane is playing at, uh, for three games, by the way. Like a bot lane that is so safe that as long as you don't commit any major errors, they should be able to come out and play the game. So I feel like there were so many factors that at the end allowed for TSM to win. And a lot of that comes in from, I think, CLG dropping the ball both in-game and in-draft because they allowed so much space for the bot lane from TSM. And then like Jenkins was the point that we thought could work out uh, could work out to deny Hunter, but I also thought the Hunter was going to be able to deliver. So I'm glad that Hunter is still performing like one of the top top laners in the league. Yeah, absolutely here. As yeah, I, I completely agree on the read on copy there. You know, he has a good Gragas game in game number one, but guys LeBlanc and his Cho'Gath especially, I think look pretty weak. I think his Cho'Gath game, he's just I don't know, just doesn't seem to be able to find the angles that you need to on Shogath. He, like, goes over-aggressive in a few parts, goes under-aggressive in some other parts, and is just uh, really getting beaten on by by Neo and Doxa in that game in particular. I mean, yeah, Doxa deserves, like, some credit, it feels like, but I do agree. It definitely felt like mid lane was left alone on an island throughout a lot of this series, and especially in Game 2, like, Heavy just cannot come up and, and represent... But I think we can move on to talking about our three-game series, at least. I think the only three-game series on the top side is TL Challengers up against Wildcard Gaming. Yeah. TL does manage to to turn it around from where it originally was here, uh, at least from where it was at the end of uh, of the regular season, where Wildcard did win that that head-to-head 2-1 uh, TL turns it back around and wins it two to one here in the the series that really matters. And you know they also turn it around for what some people would call a reverse sweep. I know Gordo, we talked about this a little bit on the co-stream. Can a best three be a reverse sweep? Well, people have been using the language on Twitter at the very least, and it was a banger of a series. You know, uh, wild card coming out in that first game swing. They got Musader on the Garen, and it really looked like they had the momentum to take it. In general, their draft was something that I think really stood out to me in that first game. They had the Gragas mid for Soligo, really big facilitator. Not a whole lot of gold being funneled towards them, but still, you're doing so much off of that Roa and the Seraph's Embrace that you're just blowing people up in team fights, or at the very least, enabling Lens and company to blow people up in team fights. And I really like the Karthus as well, just really hammering in the damage all over the place, forcing 
a lot of rough calls from TL challengers, and I think that they just folded in a relatively passive manner after they realized that this game was kind of over. Um, that being said, they stored themselves up well. They recouped, and they come back with two big games. Um, massive carry performance in particular for Arrow down bot side of the map on that jinx that they favored throughout all the games in this series. 12-0-5 in that second one, uh, really just kind of popping off, showing that, hey, some of these hyper carries like the jinx, they could still stand up to these new kids on the block like the Zeri that was coming through for Lens. Yeah. A great Draven game by Lens as well in that final game. I really thought Wildcard were going to manage to take it when they start getting some of those big uh, big shutdowns and big cash-outs onto Lens's Draven, but it, uh, you know, just a couple of crucial team fights end up turning it back around. I think Mir and Bradley especially, like, did a great job in, in the series as a whole, but especially in that final game of just finding the key targets to really be able to section off from Wildcard uh, and, and end up taking the game. And I feel, it felt like for the first time, some of the other members were finally stepping up for like TLC to be able to deliver because like we've been saying so far this season, I felt like it, it was such a mid-centric team that they were not doing a lot. I feel like this was the first time that we could see the other members trying to accompany their mid lane APA and finally provide some support for them. I, I like particularly that like New York was saying, I really like Arrow's games this series particularly. I feel like he was trying to really step up to the... 80 carry stereotype that is the hyper carry for later stages but i feel it feels like it works better for Arrow in that regard like even though his raven is one of the, the staples for him i like the jinx game so much like i think he probably sticking to much more of those uh, traditional hyper carries would probably work out a little bit better for tlc the only issue that that i'm worried about them and something that i think we saw a little bit later is that I feel like they are going to be a little too reliant on playing for late game carries and late game kind of comps. Uh, and there's teams here that can put the, ish the pressure on you on the early stages of the game, which makes it really hard to be able to pull off this sort of comps. Yeah, I really think my, my call coming into this playoffs, right, was that at some point Bradley was going to kind of wake up and be that 1v1 guy that... Uh... I would really expect from him. You know, he was like a big carry-centric player last year, especially. Um, and this team, you know, feels like it was kind of built to play through top. Uh, but is Bradley just a tank guy now? I mean, he comes out with the Malphite and the Scion. I think his Scion's really good, by the way. Like, I think he can find some really good unstoppable onslaught angles that not a lot of uh, other top laners are finding. You know, I think that's a big part of their game number three performance. But uh, I don't. It's just a big, a big change of pace for him. Um, although I will say, like Mir's Lee Sin is is everything that was promised. By the way, like I think he has some sick Lee Sin games over this weekend, and I think that along with the always solid performance from Arrow is is also a big part of what puts them over the edge. It's kind of the issue that I think now we're going to see with Bradley. It's that well, it makes it so that his issues before that we had a little bit more of a potential to carry toppling with the Jax and the Fioras uh, are not shown because now with things like your duties are a little bit easier to pull off thanks to the fact that it's much like consistent how you can meet as a tank and you don't die as easily as a Jax or a Fiora would. But it also feels like 
Well, he's forced to that spot with the way that the meta is. But for the team, probably works out better because if Bradley doesn't die, it makes it so that the rest of the team can be a little bit more together, if, if that makes sense. Like when, when Bradley is by himself or apart from the team, it feels like there's a disconnect, a major disconnect with everyone else. But if Bradley as the soul tank can stay alive with the rest of the team, it feels like at least they're a much more cohesive unit. Like obviously you don't want to spoil or anything like that. But one thing that I really liked, for example, was the Sejuani game against C9C. I think that he made some really good moves with a team. And I think that that connects really well with the idea that feels like if Bradley is with the unit, the unit works well. If Bradley isn't, it work. It, they feel a little bit too separated as a whole. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that pairs well nicely with, you know, you think about who else needs to get fights started on this team. It's still the the still relatively inexperienced Kim Down, right? Who, well, I think has had some very solid Nautilus and Thresh games in there. Is still, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the experience that you want from yeah. always getting the perfect angles in these team fights. Uh, and, you know, I think Mir is a lot more of a carry guy as well. Don't get me wrong. I think he's had some good Vi games and stuff where it's like, you know, how can you not engage fights on the Vi? But now that he's playing stuff like the Viego, like the Lee Sin a lot more, I think having Bradley on that primary engage source starts to become a lot more important for TL. And it's going to be something I'm going to keep an eye on going forwards as, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I do think Bradley's just kind of supportive tank guy now. You know, he plays two games of yep. Lockett Sejuani against Cloud9 as well, uh, which I guess is as good a segue as any to start talking about the winner's bracket a little bit more. All the other first round series are 2-0 sweeps. I don't think we need to spend too much time on those. What we expected. You guys, yeah, unless you guys want to pull back to any of those. But I think, you know what? Go back to the last episode. Listen to our predictions. We're right about pretty much every single one, except... Uh, yeah, I think I called that maybe TL first would take a game, and they certainly did not. But other than that, uh, it was just sweeps across the board. So talking about the winner's bracket, Cincinnati Fear versus Golden Guardians Challengers really comes down to the wire. We get to see a singed game, the rare and dangerous singed, <sighs> come out of concept to close out that series. Maybe a little bit on the disappointing side, uh, as we don't really get to see the same style that was played by golden guardians throughout the evening but this is like a big array versus minwi who can hard carry more series uh and you know like i'm array is so close to taking this one over the edge right like it's it's a disaster that he doesn't really manage to get there in game number two and then he just doesn't have the comp for it it feels like in game number three yeah, Gordo, I think you get really to you get really down to the meat of it pretty quickly here by talking about that bot lane match at Minui versus Array. And I mean, it was a wild time all around because we had some interesting draft decisions being made by both sides throughout the entirety of this best of three. But when it came down to it in this first time, we're really starting to see endurance becoming a big aspect of how these teams plays. Cincinnati Fear pulled it off because I think that they were just able to dedicate a little bit more manpower down to the side of Minui when needed. And on the other hand, we saw kind of like a splitting across the board from challengers. In particular, the fact that Young had to kind of put the carry eyebrows on for the Talia just didn't sit right with me because Concept Topside was basically a non-entity once it kind of came down to the fact that the Singed wasn't disrupting like they needed to, so... 
I mean, in the Battle of the AD carries, I don't even necessarily think Minui is straight up better than Array, but Array just, I think, were put into a, a lot more awkward positions and as a whole. It makes sense that Fear took the series 2-1. I, like, on one part, I'm glad for Fear. I just hate so much that it goes against my prediction, but Fear pulled it off at the end really well. I, I just dislike the last game so, so much for GG. Because, like, you're pointing out, they go for Young to play the Talia, which, in and of itself, it's not bad. But it feels like Talia has a, a certain condition that, unless your sidelines are way stronger than your opening sidelines, they they don't really find a lot of value comparatively. And on the side of Araya, he was essentially going against a hyper carry who can carry more between the other. Aphelios is Aphelios, so it's a little bit harder, but it was a competition. But the, between Concept and Faisal, it was just doomed. Because the Singe wasn't doing anything meaningful in that game. And the, the, the weirdest thing to me is that I don't... Is, is Singe now considered a counter to... I think it was a Scion, no? Is, is Singe considered a counter to Scion in any way? What really does he do that can mess up the Scion? And even if you kill him in lane once, does that even matter? Like... Ah... Oh. Yeah, that that's a great point, TDS, actually, because, I mean, what stands out in my memory, like, my big memory of this Singed versus Scion game is there's a moment in the game where Concept is, like, uh, proxy farming. He's, like, behind. He's in between, like, the Tier 2 and the Inhibitor turret on the enemy side of the map because uh, he knows that Perry's bot side, and he's, like, catching waves, and he's trying to proxy farm against the Scion, and Scion just walks up to the outer turret with, like, one minion left, and just takes the outer turret while he's trying to proxy yeah, farm. Like, <laughs> it's, like... it's just... And, and then you can even argue, Scion can do the same thing! He can just walk and proc... Like, who's gonna kill him? Great! Like, I'm just... I don't have answers for, for that, and then it messes up everything from GG. Yeah, I mean, especially after watching Maraville, uh once again trying to push through the playoff bracket for the NACL qualifiers, I'm now convinced any champion proxy farm, and therefore Singed literally has zero role anymore. You want a disruptive tank? Go, like, Sejuani top. Heck, go, like, Wukong. You could probably build them tank and still have more utility, right? Um, if you want, like, this, like, burn down during team fights and just being a nuisance, there's also a whole lot of things that you could select, given how the current meta is shifting. I mean, heck, they could have passed the Cho'Gath test. I don't know if it was banned of that game or something but just regardless it it's was an fan. odd choice for sure and i think it led to a very awkward game number three and kind of a wet squib of an end to the what was a banger series yeah it, it was, was banned it was yeah, yeah the Chogath was banned okay. by fear but i don't think that's an excuse though i mean like there's there's a lot of champions <laughs> in league of legends guys you don't need to play the singed like, I, I, I like the fact that they did attack the pool of top laners, which could have, mm -hmm. like, messed around a little bit. But, like, it feels like people forget Orn exists when he's still a tank you can play. And he does essentially the same that any other tank, but gives extra stats to your champions. Like, it, it just feels like, do people really, is it Senna syndrome where Senna is not bad, but people are just so away they don't want anything to do with Senna that they don't pick the champion or Seraphine like it's just something that surprises me with that but at the end like the issue is that because you go for something like that your Talia now is useless because she's not only the sole AP damage dealer of the team if I'm not wrong there uh just yeah she's the sole AP damage dealer of the team because realistically the 
Cinch is not going to accomplish that much with damage. And then you have no side lane pressure because the Cinch will not do anything in side lane. So you're essentially with a worst 5v5 comp and trying to 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 have your best player, Young, carry with Thalia. And I'm like, why do you want to shoot yourself in the foot? By the way, full credit to whoever drafted for Fear because I feel like that, that goes unnoticed, but all around Fear's drafts, from start to finish have been top notch. I, I like there's maybe one here in between in the in the regular season that you can say, but from start to finish, whoever is doing the prep for fear and the draft for fear, amazing job. I think that fear is one of the more most consistent and better drafted teams. And I don't want to stay on this point for too much longer because TDS, I think you've really hit the nail on the head regarding the singe pit just being baffling. But just to add on to it, as the consummate Talia lover. You know, you could have just got Renekton top, guys. And then you have, like, a chain CC to set up WE combo on Talia. You could, she could carry a little bit harder. And the other thing is, the reason why this Talia was selected is because it's up against the Vagar. They just kind of wanted to go push and roam early. But now you have a Singed top who doesn't exactly exude kill pressure into something especially like a Scion. So that was super awkward as well. Um, yeah. overall just disappointing there were like signs of brilliance because once again it isn't like golden guardians played bad in the last game uh, i called them the, the carry eyebrows and i'll say it again you know that talia for Yo, young was really was really good but it, it's just sad and then you have to look back bot and just realize you know array has been putting their all into these three games eventually you're going to start seeing some amount of weakness and it wasn't even like they played poorly either it's just yeah. kind of tragic that this is how golden guardians get knocked down but they're only knocked down, not knocked out, and that's something to keep in mind. For sure. Uh, one more point to finish out this series is uh, I do got to give props to Perry again, man. The guy's clutch. I think he really stepped up this week in a big way. He looks absolutely fantastic in their series uh, one. Top three jungles. Yeah, which is against. Uh, yeah, I agree on top three junglers. By the way, I, I had him on my list there. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he's absolutely fantastic in their first series against Evil Geniuses, uh, and he's very good here as well. Uh, I think especially in that game two, you know, that's a neck-and-neck -neck game. It's really about Minwee versus Array, and Perry is the one who, like, threads the needle, finds the Glacial Prison onto Array with the ultimate down, sets up for Trevor to land the follow-up hook, and that's what ends the game. I mean, that game could have gone the other way if if that play doesn't happen and it parries the guy who finds it he lands the glacial prison through three frontliners you know rosethorn concept and prismal all could have blocked it and parry gets it it really like parry has been really the, like one of the best junglers and consistently showing up i just wanted to ask like with this fear is pretty much set right they 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 essentially secured like top two spots for for provisionals, right? Um, it's very hard for them to lose it here because if they can't, even if they lose their next round, they will drop. To, like they're locked top. Uh, they're locked top six, uh, or top. They're locked top eight with this. I think they, I it, they get it actually because like even if AOE and Wildcard win, one of them gets eliminated in the next one because they go against each other. So oh, like yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. It. They yeah. are top two 100%. So they they not only already secured like top six, they already did what they needed to do for the season. Like the season is done for them in, in that way, not like literally. But, yeah. But they already safe. 
And I know that we have the uh, FlyQuest and Dignitas game to talk about, but this is a really quick segue to build off of the point about provisional teams. You know, I, I want to look back down at the bottom bracket really quick and just say, you know, CLG Faith, they got their win. But that also means that at one point in time, Wildcard was literally one game away from being relegated before CLG Faith, which is just bizarre to think about given the way that the regular season played out. I don't know how I feel about this format. It also really does suck that Wildcard and AoE are going to have to make that playoff and therefore fear is locked. Um, that being said, between the two of them, I think we're all going to be pretty confident in the fantasy bracket phase that we're ha we have coming up that it's going to be AOE dropping. But at the end of the day, it's just so strange that this is how things played out. I honestly think we're kind of lucky that we had four clear teams in the provisionals that were like below these other two provisional teams. Yeah, on the subject of format, I do think we relegate probably a few too many teams. Uh, if you think about it, like it reminds me a lot of, of early LCS, right? Because when the LCS first started, if anybody is not ancient enough to know, the uh, the setup was there were eight teams and four of them got relegated. Sort of two playoff teams got relegated in the LCS back at the very beginning. Uh, and that cut down to, to three and then eventually two, if I recall correctly. Um... And I think something similar is probably going to happen here because, you know, the response might be, oh, but there's 16 teams, so it's okay to relegate four, but only six are eligible for relegation. So really, it's like we're relegating yeah. four of six, which is quite a large number. I do think it's okay for now, you know, give it a year to be at relegating four, specifically because half of the slots were given away for free to whoever wanted them. Um Really, all of the slots were given away for free, I suppose. But half of them were given to LCS teams who had no history of fielding um, or very limited history of fielding um, challenger teams uh, or amateur teams, rather. Uh, and I think that showed here in this loser's bracket, right, where all three of them get eliminated bottom four right away. So I, I feel like... For the format, I would really like, like you're saying, I think four is too much. I would like two that are like for, like up for grabs, and the last one is direct. Because I think that like last place should be direct, just because I do think that last place, it's last place. Like there should be a punishment for being last place, sadly. But like the other two should be relegation, like in the relegation tournament, like they are kind of doing right now. So I feel like that would at least feel a little bit more consistent and it would still like give credit to the top teams because it's, top two is really hard. Like Fierce accomplishment, I, I think should be much more like celebrated because it's not only the fact that they achieved top two, but they achieved top two by beating uh, uh, an NACL team and doing, cons and doing so consistently. But it's like, when you think about it, it's not easy because they, they, they essentially had to go through top, top teams to be able to do it and do it in a consistent manner as well. I just feel like it's hard for it to happen and fear made it look kind of easy to a certain degree when it's hard. Man, I really wish that we could somehow relegate uh, the LCS uh bounded teams instead of having provisionals fun. mostly because i want to see the cg roster get relegated but also beyond that um i i think that we're in a weird spot where yes it is the case that given there's only six provisional teams for them getting relegated seems pretty extreme but at the same time for the overarching 16 teams i kind of wish that we could keep four relegation slots right because that's 
in my opinion, enough upward mobility for us to constantly be focusing on the amateur scene and the qualifier scene. Right now, I think that's one of the most exciting parts about uh, the NA uh, League of Legends world right now. It's the fact that there is a lot of discourse about quals and a lot of people training their eyes on that. So with all that in mind, um, you know, if there was some way to kind of adjust, reconnoiter, keep the 16 teams with four relegation slots, I would love to see that. But it is a real feels bad, especially for the AOE wild card duel that we have coming up. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, before we get fully into lower bracket, uh, I do want to round out our upper bracket and talk a little bit about dig challengers up against FlyQuest challengers. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be explicit about it. Fly Challengers should have won this series, man. This was their yeah. <laughs> series to win. Yuji deserved to win this series. They are ahead in all three games. Uh, they snowballed successfully to a victory in game number one, especially off the back of a great Vigar game from Spyrax. And then games two and three are decided by the freaking Aurelian Soul, dude. It is so strong in these mega late game scenarios. And I mean, and props to Dignitas Haas for doing just enough to keep themselves in it and keep that ASOL scaling. But damn, dude, XU uh, really getting out jungled by Yuji this series and Yuji coming so close to taking it home. It really does suck that we didn't get to do the second round winners on our bracket for the first uh, week of playoffs because... Man, I would have said that I thought FlyQuest was going to take this 2-1, uh, even last week. This team is hot, and they continue to show that they're hot here. This is one of the best looks I've seen from them, and yeah, they're up against Dignitas, which is just rough bracket luck, but the fact that Yuji, who, you know, once again, I put them as number one jungler of the entirety of the NACL, uh, popped off the way that they did. I, I think that this team is just going to slaughter everybody in the lower bracket, and it's going to be really meteoric rise i think back towards finals probably okay i think likewise like i already predicted them. i thought they were going to win 2-1 because i don't think that tool was going to be fair against dixie and i want to give a huge shout out to insanity because yes even though it was the asol that carried the living hell out of the, those two games they sh really shouldn't have been that close or winning though any of those two games the asol really did a lot like it's a still something you have like to do being able to be proactive and good with the asol it's not easy as we've seen in pro play so i think that it, it does merit credit to insanity for being able to play that effectively but like with blisey though i'm not only surprised with how much they've improved but it's not only the winsome part like yuji looked like a completely different jungler not because he was bad, but, like, the consistency in those three games from Yuji was really great. And I think that that's something that I wasn't expecting from the series. Like, I thought Blackwest would win, but I wasn't expecting their play to come like that. And now with, yes, the lower bracket is a little bit riskier because you can slip up one day and then you're out. I feel like they, they will, like, I, I kind of, I think I did put them potentially going through the lower bracket so they would eliminate TLC anyway which I'm sad but it will happen and I feel like they are going to run the lower bracket like I, I really expect this to be the grand finals between them and C9C when it comes to it yeah that actually that actually is my bracket uh available publicly I tweeted it out it's also on Cincinnati Fear mm -hmm. did that bracket prediction competition thing on challenge challenge 
I don't know how you pronounce no. that website. Um, but I did do it. My, my bracket's on there. My bracket's on Twitter as well. Uh, I did predict Fly Challengers to lose this series and then beat Dig Challengers uh, in Losers Finals to make Grand Finals. Uh, and, I mean, it, it feels super doable. Like, if this were a best of five, it feels like FlyQuest could have wised up, banned the Aurelian Soul, and, and taken it with how on form Yuji was here. I mean, he did have the full download on XU, constantly responding to ganks in the bot side, constantly finding yep. his own ganks uh, wherever necessary. Uh, two great least in games there, and even a, a fantastic Sejuani game. Like going from the full carry least in mode, where he's trying to get gold into himself uh, and be able to really be that kind of assassin on to spawn, uh, and then switching gears on the Sejuani in that game three, where he is just so self sacrificial. You know, he goes down a ton of CS, but he makes it 100% worth it uh, by once again enabling Masu, taking out spawn very early on. And I think, like, they're so close to winning that game as well. Like, they crack an inhibitor, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it goes all the way to, like, 45-plus minutes. And, again, it's just a really insult if. Yep. Are we on this uh, on this patch for the rest of the playoffs? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think. Oh God! So, so no Aurelian Soul gutting to be had. Unfortunate. Mm. Very, very tragic. This is actually the post Aurelian Soul gut. This is this was thirteen Wait, five. This is this it's is thirteen five. Point five. Yep. Yeah, they oh, had three I days to practice on the point. patch before playoffs like, started. Uh, and it's it still shows? this good. That's so stupid. <laughs> I hate Sam. I yeah, that's Aurelian actually Soul. that's actually the worst part of it, right? Is that this is post nerf a Soul. That's the reason it's getting through Picket Ban. I love it so much, though. Uh, I enjoy Aurelian Soul a lot. Now, even though it messed up my prediction, I still love it so much. I, I'm, I'm glad. I, I did, I, I think I tweeted about this, but I'm so happy that the rework happened because it's one of the like most enjoyable things I've done. I've played in League for a while. So great. I do, I do kind of like it too. Like, I think it's a little too strong probably, but I kind of like the, the design as a whole though. Like, I like... I like having a hyperscaling pick that isn't like Vigar Cassidan because it feels like they, I don't know, they just don't fulfill that fantasy the way that Asol does. So I think he's he's a cool way of capturing that, and I like he's a nice addition to the hyper carry mid lane roster. Uh, you know, maybe once he gets tweaked a little bit more. God bless the meteor, by the way. Ability. Oh yeah, it's it's very flashy. It's very cool. It's 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 fun to it's fun to cast. It's fun to watch. Can't can't deny that one. Unless you're an ED. Between that and the winter blessed Diana skin and that one Pike skin, where if you get the Penta, everything goes black. You would imagine they'd be able to bring back you know the seasonal rift or something like that, uh, given how much <laughs> they're impacting the map now. But you know, I, I it may have been a few uh, too too many months late for me to actually make this point with any amount of impact. Uh, next year though, riot next year. Is this a Reddit riot please thread in my podcast <laughs> that I'm hearing here in Yarko? <laughs> While we're at it, can we revert to Leah and not re? work uh rel and uh also make sure you don't touch my boy Tarek. thank and, you and remove yumi and uh, you know <laughs> what else is there um actually i have a uh, four thousand ward uh document about how yumi should be reworked alongside some very crudely drawn uh ms paint illustrations of what the abilities should look like <laughs> all right well one more point on this um one more point on this FlyQuest dignitas series uh I think Philip, uh, at least for the first two games, really really comes alive in this series. I think he 
He holds his own against Hoon fantastically. We called it out last week. Like Hoon's the best top lane, laning top laner in the NACL. Um, yeah, I think Fake God's better all around. Um, but Hoon has the better laning stats. I mean, he builds bigger leads. He gets more solo kills. Um, and you know, I, I just think he's better in the one on one. And I think he's the best in the one on one in the league. And Philip holds his own here very nicely. Um, plays the Fiora counter pick into the Cho'Gath pretty effectively uh has a pretty solid laning phase as the scion into the rumble which we've seen you know especially this this is buffed rumble right and uh, a lot of players have been struggling in that matchup on this patch um you know kind of falls apart a little bit in game number five but then again he is playing frontline in this game that they end up losing so i I mean props to philip here i think you know he's had an underwhelming split versus what we thought he would be like coming back down from lcs um but looks great in this series. I, I will add a quick thing. I actually thought that Hoon was... Like, even though I uh, Baldwin still is looking kind of iffy from Dixie, I think Hoon is going to have a hard time with the remaining top laners, if I'm honest. Like, I, I, it feels like I'm, I'm, the, I'm not confident that Hoon is going to be able to perform against any of them because I think that Philip just had his number in all the series. I feel like a lot of that was Hoon being valuable later on in the game, more so than in lane and it, it kind of like surprises me how like ineffective Hoon felt overall but maybe maybe it's it's just that philip did that well because it, it just like felt like Hoon was ineffective and surprising and use uh, not that useful comparatively fair enough um i don't know i i just felt like this was like i think in lane philip held his own pretty nicely um i think against Given what I've seen throughout most of this season, I expect Hoon. Uh, I expect better out of Hoon. Um, so, you know, maybe a little underperformance from him, maybe a little overperformance from Philip. Uh, I choose to lean towards the latter just because I want to give some props to my boy up in the top lane. That's but fair. let's move on to the losers bracket where we are saying goodbye to four teams. So, want to go series by series here and, and at least like highlight. Uh, the team's getting eliminated. Starting off on CLG Faith versus Wildcard. We talked about this one a little bit already. Uh, and I just want to start things off by saying I made like a commitment to myself when the NACL playoffs started. Like I was start I was sitting down to watch my VODs because I couldn't watch it live. I was doing NACLQ stuff. Uh, I sat down to watch my VODs and I made a commitment like, you know what? I'm going to try to look at all of these teams through a fresh lens, right? I'm going to try to at least semi-separate away what I've seen throughout the regular season and say, okay, now the pressure's on. Let's reevaluate these teams from scratch and see what my thoughts are. And I watch CLG Faith play against Cloud9, and my first note on my sheet is, God, this team looks bad. Like, <laughs> they, they are just giving away leads to Cloud9 in that first series. They... Uh, explicitly look like they do not know what Zaya feathers do. They're just wandering into blade callers for free and giving free kills over to lost. Uh, that was a very rough series, perhaps one of the rougher series we've seen out of CLG faith. And then they come back and they beat wildcard in a game. So let's go boys. Uh, great turnaround there. Great highlight game from NXI. Uh, this is what he's been trying to do all season and has only successfully done once against fly fam. And, you know, they put it together here against Wildcard. It's been a tough uh, split for me, you know, as a CLG Faith fan, as one of 
I imagine like four. I, I don't know. I don't get much engagement on my CLG fandom posts on Twitter, which kind of indicates to me that not a whole lot of people are on my side. Also, I was just getting perma clowned Twitch chat during the wildcard <laughs> series, which was uh, rough to have to deal with. Um, but, you know, I held the faith. They got the game uh, off of wildcard, and that means that I was theoretically right in my massive bet hedging during the uh, first bracket uh, that we created. But no, I, Gordo, you're right. The team looks bad. Um, they definitely stepped it up. I think that games one and three looked substantially better in the wildcard series than anything they managed during during their games against C9. Also, anything they managed in like the back half of the regular season. I mean, like I, I think I said it before on podcast, or at least I said it on the co-stream, but Arlint and I, uh, the head coach of Contingent Esports, were practice casting a game, and we decided to do uh, CLG Faith versus TL first. And it was just one of the most shambolic experiences I've ever had in the booth. It's um just a team that, in a lot of cases, were running it down proverbially uh when it comes to their macro shot calling but also in terms of their individual laning prowess i think that both were somewhat cleaned up for the wild card matchup uh Bijani came alive in that first game and honestly held on a lot better in the following matches than i thought he would especially as i have for a while now i've been trying to crown or i, I don't know the opposite of crown dethrone but he, I mean, he's on the throne of like worst top laner in, in NECL. You know, I'm trying to throw him from that front. But, you know, uh, this is to say that, you know, he looked a little bit better there. Um, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's just sad. Uh, NXI, though, uh, right at the end here, coming through, kind of being the best player of the team, the Elmer's glue that held the uh, ramshackle hut of Popsicle Sticks together just a little bit longer for them to finally get a second win here. Uh, shout outs to the... Uh, 32 what is it 2 and 32 giga chad copy pasta that was being flooded in twitch chat but you know they did it uh one more dub before uh, being brought out so we'll see how they do in relegations but you know i just wanted to give my little vigil here because i do love these guys and for as bad as they look gordo the fact you look at them with a fresh lens i was looking at them th with rose colored glasses and i'm nostalgic now for their plays you'll get a chance to see them soon enough so it's not like you will be missing them for too much. And hey, if you're a fan of a team through thick or thin, you have to go with them. Like I just watched my team today get eliminated from international co competition. So I understand the pain, but hey, we have to go through all those things as much, as hard as they get. Now, I do think though that CLG Faith for how like bad they've been in a lot of the stretches of the season, this probably was the first instance I could legitimately say, okay, they actually improved in some stuff. And that's a positive sign because realistically, you may be the worst of the NACL, but you just need to be better than the competition that will try and dethrone you from NACL. So it's not like it's the end. Realistically, they just need to be better than the ones below them. They don't need to be better than the ones above them because you can always get uh, towards the relegation tournament, but as long as you don't get relegated, that's... Oh, that matters at the end of the day. So I feel like CLG Faith is still could potentially save plays. I, I feel the same for almost every other team because I do think that there's not a lot of teams that I would say can try and pull down one of the provisional teams from NCL. Like I still think that there's like the step up that you need to do is not that high, but there's still a step up that you need to pull off. So I'm I'm kind of like still waiting to see if there's any like NACLQ teams that I would be 
thinking could do it. But honestly, from the from the professional teams, I think CLGF is one that I'm beginning to have maybe this little bit much more confidence in for surviving. I don't know if they can keep it up for the relegation tournament. That's the problem, maybe. right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to tell from the sample size of one final desperate best of three if they actually improved because, you know, there wasn't that much time or space between the C9 series and this series, right? It could just be that they randomly peaked here. And honestly, if we see them in the form that they were in for that first playoff match, or like I said, some of these matches uh, earlier on or later on in the regular season, I think that these guys get clapped by like everybody in the NACL qualifiers from rock bottom up. That's my honest call on this. It's sad, but perhaps true. Maybe it's the fact that all these qual teams are like playing against one another. And therefore I can't really see what their ceiling is, but I don't know. I, I, I'm losing faith. I, I'm losing my religion. It's very, very sad. To, to be fair, uh, Rock Bottom is a team in the NACL Qs. Uh, Yarko isn't that low on CLG faith that he thinks <laughs> literally every team can, can beat yeah. the Rock Bottom is the name of an org. Uh, they have a pretty solid roster, actually. Um, Maybe I'm the more positive one of the three. Like I, I don't <laughs> think that it's that bad, but it's bad. But it's yeah. not that bad. But it's I bad. will. I do want to at least. I want to personally at least highlight at least one player from each of these teams that I think has a shot to to yeah. maybe go somewhere better as they get eliminated uh, and relegated. And I think on this team, I think it's Aaron. I think Aaron oh, has, really? has looked really good. I've liked his. At least it looked really good for a CLG Faith player. I think he's had some solid laning performances. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm being too harsh on NXI for playing all of these carry-focused junglers and having no team around him, um, but picking from these five guys, I think Aaron is my is my favorite looking forward into future splits. I think that's fair. I would, I would go NXI just because, like, I understand. For a jungler, and this is something, and this is this, the reason why I literally said CLG Fate, we're not going to do anything this split, you have you need to have good laners to to really provide for you in a lot of those instances and nxi had to work with charcoal a lot of the splits so like it's really difficult to be able to pull himself out and i think that he had four like not necessarily stellar performances but he was a lot of what clg faith could ever try and accomplish doing until the changes in some of the players so i really think that he deserves an opportunity with one of the higher up teams and there's younglers that will go higher up uh, I think after this NACL split. So I hope that he gets an opportunity with those other NACL teams. Fair enough. Well, let's move on to the next series. AOE Gold versus Evil Geniuses Challengers, where Evil Geniuses, the team that I predicted to win the split at the beginning, <laughs> becomes the first Challengers team to be eliminated from spring. Wow, what a collapse here for EG as they bow out here. Do we dub this the biggest train wreck in, like, Academy for a while? Like, I, I wouldn't even say just NACL Academy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got to be up there, right? There, and it's, you know, I have to jump right to excuses, right? Because I can't, I'm not, I can't write off these five players. I can write off some of these players, maybe. <laughs> but I, I can't write off, like, I first of all, I think mobility looked better than expected, so you can't even blame yep. the substitution here. Because this team is supposed to have king, God knows when, but they're supposed to have king at some point. Um, But yeah, it just never comes together. I think, and the more I think about it, the more, like, and maybe this is just a cope take, 
it really just, you know, sometimes a team of five players doesn't really gel. Um, so, I mean, maybe it is just that. But I think also it's there's something to be said about not being able to find a groove with what is supposed to be a temporary roster, right? So, like, they start off this season with two subs with Robbie Bob and Mobility, and then they carry on, and it's like you're scrimming day in, day out with Mobility for the entire season, but, like, in theory, King is right around the corner the whole way through, so mm-hmm. you kind of get this mental check that, Oh, well, you know, it, it it still doesn't count yet because we don't have our real roster. And then perhaps by the time you realize you're never going to get a real roster and this is your real roster, it's a little bit too late. Uh, and then you have a coaching change in there as well. So maybe a little bit of that hits them here. Um, the other thing that I'd say is it actually felt like there was one week where they really did have an identity, right? Uh, they get like more wins than in any other week. In, I think it was the last week with Robbie it Bob, the, right? They they really hit yeah. their stride where they're playing these, like, Lissandra and Gallio comps with Shaden on carries, like the Viego and the, the Kindred, and that was, like, their way of winning, and they look really good that week. And then Ryoma comes in, and he doesn't really play those picks, and they have to find a whole new identity again. And then they never really find it. So, you know, I maybe that factors in a little bit as well. Yeah, and you know, Gordo, we called that episode Shaden's Big Week. We had a whole titular thing for that. <laughs> his him, only I mean, big since, week. <laughs> no, ever since he's been looking really big week, if you know what I'm saying, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a rough one for oh. these guys. Uh, just bad decisions, I think, from Shaden and... I think some of that does come from the fact that we've been really emphasizing the mid jungle continuity as a signifier of a big top team. And maybe they just had the coordination shaken up when Ryoma came in. Right. But I mean, even this deep on into the splits, the fact that they haven't been able to find their footing is pretty depressing. And, you know, this is a deserved placement for them. I think as tragic as it is Gordo, because I think I was the other EG supporter early on in this one, but you know, at the very least, we collectively as a salt mine called that a collapse was going to happen for one of these teams, and it just happens to be EG. Yeah, like, maybe they could beat an Immortals Challengers or something if they ended up playing against each other, but, I mean, that's not how the bracket shakes out, and, you know, that's that's not really an excuse you get to feel to feel better about yourself at this stage. And honestly, I think Immortals doesn't look terrible. I think that this is actually one of the few teams that's been, like, trending upwards as of late i don't know if it's like enough to like bust them out of their current placements but i don't think that they look terrible we'll get into those series though in a bit i bet it feels like this is the best opportunity also with every drama that you could say oh but behind the scenes maybe something is happening with eg since there's a lot of drama around him so could make an argument for that but realistically edc is the team that i don't think i could excuse for anything same with like because I did I, I did know that there was someone that was like we call it out someone is gonna crash and burn. I thought it was going to be FlyQuest C, and I hate them for not pulling off because my predictions. But but like the the amount the amount of talent I like that that seemed so bad. But like like the talent that was in EGC is good talent. It's not talent like it hasn't been at least taking towards the LCS to a certain degree. Yes, mobility is there, but like you don't need to be the best team to win against a team that 
theoretically on paper, it's not better than yours. So like, you just need to pull up a couple of performances and, and try and pull it up against a team that theoretically it's not better than yours. And it's not like EGC is incapable of that, but like, it feels like there's no semblance of an attempt. And I would, I would be more comparing this to like the kind of train wreck that is PSG in the sense that this roster has everything in their players to be able to pull off at least a couple of victories here and there. I don't say win at all, but the bare minimum is higher than bottom four. And this bare minimum is really, really bad because it's now like the stocks on all of these players except mobility because I think that he has no like uh, blame in how it went should be like this. Like I was here on Soul. Soul is now like this. Shading was probably like this. Now he's here. Ryoma, well, Ryoma is Ryoma. And and Smoothie was probably here. He's now like this. Like the, the stocks and all these players fall down so heavily. And I don't feel like excuses are fair because at least they should be able to win against AoE without taking anything from AoE. They at least, that's the best, the bare minimum I expect from them should be above them. Well, and that's the question, right, is do we see changes to this roster coming into summer? Because it's like, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, all their stocks fall from a terrible season. Like, it's hard to, you know, that that can't really not be the case. Um, but it's like, I'm not really willing to write off any of these players. Like, if I'm yeah, the no, GM no. of Evil Geniuses, like... The, the player I'm, like, now the most willing to, like, say, all right, I don't think this player is, like, going to be, you know, a top competitor again is probably Smoothie. But Smoothie is a support player in a region without very many good support players. Like, I don't think... I look down at the qualifiers, right, and I'm like, who who is the next big support up? Like, Rhino? is maybe you know a guy who deserves another good shot um Skytech. Sky, well skytech is on aoe he's not oh, an amateur well. right so i mean like I, I guess you could grab somebody from uh from a provisional yeah. team yeah but like assuming that you can't just snag provisional team players for your academy team in between splits um which, which i mean no. you can if you're willing to pay but it's probably a little tougher um Assuming that they can't snag anybody from provisional teams, because yeah, like I think like Duo King would be an upgrade too. You know, it's um, like, it, brand risks right? aside. Uh, I think Duo King would probably be an upgrade on paper. I think you know uh, Trevor's probably even looks better as well. Um, but you know, assuming that if you want to get somebody else, you have to get them from a qualifiers team. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I don't really know who you would get that's better on paper than where i have smoothie right now and it's like i don't know i'm not really willing to write off soul right now i do think he's now coming into kind of a prove it split though like i think for i think like soul and maybe like concept is i think in this category a little bit too mm-hmm. um you know obviously add like i think there's a lot of top laners who are kind of coming in to prove it splits. Um, just because it's like, I think Surdy looks fantastic. I think Faisal looks fantastic. I think, uh, you know, I think Moose Hater has kind of put himself on the map. I think Lunasia, given that this is like their first experience competitive, looks pretty good. Um, 
And then we also have uh, Zamudo is on his Korean training arc right now and is going to come back at some point. Like, this next generation of top laners looks looks crazy good. I still think Porsche is crazy down in NACL queues as well. Um, not playing in this one, but played in the last qualifier and looked great. Um, you know, there's a real powerful generation of top laners coming up in North America here. And, like, and this is a role, like, we have import top laners in NACL. Like, no, no hate to the individual players there, especially, like, Hoon, who I've praised a lot. But, like, you know, they, these guys... We should be getting some of these, some of these top laners, some upward mobility here, um, and I think you know it. People like Soul have their slot at risk just because, you know, there's players on a lot of provisional top laners look very, very good, and even some guys outside of provisional look very, very good. I would hope ADD doesn't stay longer than one split. If I'm honest. Well, it, it's it, Immortals it, Challengers. They've changed top laners six splits in a row, so I think your odds are pretty good, actually. It would, it would be hilarious if he's the only top laner that they don't change. Like, the, <laughs> the worst top laner they have in six splits and the one that they don't change. I, well, I don't know. I, I'm not an Immortals manager, I guess. I'm happy that Gordo brings this up because this is a corrective I've wanted to do for a while here on TSM. The, the salt mine, obviously, we're, we're still yeah. trying to force this acronym to work. Um, <clears throat> but I, I was saying before, I really think that it is the case that while, yes, we collectively agree that the current NACL class of top laners is weak, the reason why that's the case, the reason why that really feels like it's the case is because there's so many up-and-comers, so many provisional players in the top lane who are really impressive and shaken things up, I think, really fantastically in this league. So perhaps they aren't at the point right now where we could say, yes, they're exceptionally strong, but they're getting there, and this is going to be a great time to really follow that lane. Uh, next split in particular, I think, is going to be a real banger. Yeah. I didn't mention Shockey either. Shockey, another guy, uh, really exciting quackers back in qualifiers too like uh, there's there's a lot of na top lane talent dude you got to give some of these guys some respect here i still think cozy's really good um you know like they're obviously at a lower tier than like you know the surties and the lunasias and the people who are performing in the nacl proper um and i think zamudo's nuts too by the way like zamudo i think is going to come back like thor into wakanda he is going to be crushing fools when he gets back here from korea uh as you know he's he's been on his training with ls arc like this is the this is what this is what turned fudge from an opl top laner into a na academy star i think zamudo could very much be on the same path and he's any born so even better true 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 all right well with that said we do have one more elimination match that was played uh and that was why am I forgetting? Oh, it's fly oh, there's actually two more. I forgot we didn't yeah. even talk about Fly Fam IMT Challengers yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, Fly Fam IMT Challengers. Uh, Immortals is, I think, very competitive for the worst NACL team now that they've lost Balulu, uh, and they still run over Fly Fam pretty easily in a couple of games. I think Lunasi in particular disappoints me in this series. He's been somebody that. I've really looked at to compete uh, up against some of the challenger players uh, on this Fly Flame roster when a lot of the lanes do not appear to be able to do so. 
Um, but he cannot put it together against ADD in this series. And if he doesn't put it together, I, I think this team really collapses pretty fast. Uh, the hyper gives them like a little bit of an additional layer, but you know, he gets stuck with the NXI problem, right? Even when he's doing well on graves in game number one, every lane's losing, nobody can do anything. And IMT closed it out with one solid team fight. As our resident man, do I sure love our bottom two provisional teams person as much as I haven't talked about FlyFam to the same degree I talk about Faith. Uh, frustrating series, honestly, for FlyFam. Uh, Lunasi, I think, is one of the players that you rightfully pegged as kind of underperforming in these two matches, Gordo. But I also got to say that last game, well, the second of two games, it's just rough from the whole team collectively. Yeah. And I think that this is one of the times where we see that like classic full on bottom of the NACL team collapse uh, starting in draft phase. Uh, you have the Gragas, right? And you have instinct stored up against Wixie on Draven. Draven starts popping up relatively early, yet you're building full tank Gragas um, and now putting a lot of burden onto a Senna that's just getting absolutely smacked around the map. Um, when, you know, I think there's like an argument you go like Roa Gragas here, maybe go for like the Heartsteel Senna, even with the Tom Kench on your team and pray something happens there. It just feels that like on that macro level, their pivot isn't really working. And then it's just kind of a straight up roll. These lanes all lose. It's a 27 minute game that really felt like FlyFam was choked out in, in like the first 10 minutes. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, they do they do lose across the map. This game was doomed pretty much from uh you know the first couple of minutes where they start giving up kills in every lane. But I do have to, to keep on my Lunasi point though. He is on Gragas, the great equalizer, uh the champion that's supposed to be able to go even in every lane, uh, and he gets flamerized by ADD. So you know he he loses the hardest for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a rough performance across the board, and you know it, it's also something to be said too for it's like. 10 minutes into this game, you know that, oh, hey, we're getting relegated. How about that? So that's certainly, that's got to, it's got to tax on your mental a little bit. You could always be the, those situations where, you know, you're down, like you're, you're out anyway, pretty much. So like, even if they won, which I don't think that it's impossible against the AMT that changed Bolulu from Yusui, their level was still bad, but like with that on paper, like you had better chances. They, I, I, pro I think they probably will, will like lose the next one either way. So like they were already kind of in the position where they were going to have to go through relegation anyway, and I think that that like that could have taxed on the players in the sense that well we'll try, but if it doesn't work out, it's whatever. Like we we already know what situation we're stuck on. Obviously, I have no background information, so this is all speculation. But feels like that could be the situation, and I don't blame it for Red. Like I feel like preparing for the the. The tournament that actually matters to you than this, it's probably a better mentality since it, the other one is actually going to impact your future. This, not really apart from if you go like psycho mode and you carry the living hell out of one game, maybe that buys stocks for you and or gives you more stocks and that way you can go higher up to another team. But realistically, if you're playing for permanence, the best you can do is going for the relegation. And I think that that may be the idea for FlyFam. For IMT, I have absolutely no hope. I think they are like two games away from getting from losing. They go against oh, they go against the, yeah, they're out. They're like like GG should to all them like this. Wait, like this. So I have absolutely no hope for them. And 
I'm like, I'm really interested in seeing the plan because I do think that the hyper edition was better for them, but at the same time, I'm worried. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to be a team that gives you faith, like CLG faith. You know, TDS, I, I, I'm going to say it. I, I actually don't think that GG are just going to roll over IMT. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Mm. A- about this a little bit more during like the fantasy bracket phase, but you know, they had the worst possible starting matchup or close to the worst possible starting matchup, having to go against fly challengers who, you know, rightfully wreck them. Although still we yep. had a good performance in that first game of that uh, initial best of three. Right. And yeah, maybe two owing fly fam is basically just the bare minimum expectation, but Hey, I mean, Wildcard couldn't two o a team that is ostensibly worse than FlyFam, right? So who's to say at the end of the day? I don't know. I'm still gonna put some stock on IMT. I think that they, you know, showed the best possible version of themselves that they could really in the okay. FlyFam matchup. So going forward, I, I'm excited for this team. I, I would like to see them make a statement. We'll stay tuned. Closing out the losers bracket for this week with CLG up against Team Liquid first. Um. Feels like there's not too much to say on this series. I mean, this is the CLG we were expecting to see. Um, they get a much easier opponent to show it up against. Um, but, you know, I think Kevy Viego's back, baby. We talked about it in the preseason, that this guy will pick Viego every time it's up, and he does just that. Um, has a solid game in game number one. Has a good lease in in game number two as well. Um, Meech is back as well. I think he looks way better. On the Zayas and the Aphelioses of the world than he was on on the picks like Lucian. You know, I, I've been saying this all season long. This was not his meta. And now that it is his meta, uh, he's losing to TSM challengers, which is pretty disappointing. But looking pretty good here up against TL first. And I still have uh, some amount of faith that CLG can can turn things around and still have a solid loser's bracket run. At the very least, TL First is another, you know, bottom of the barrel provisional team. At least brought us interest, not even necessarily with their performances. There was no, like, pop-off thing to focus on with Surdy this time around, although the cannon was fun. Um, Shout-outs to them for at least, like, trying something a little bit funky with these drafts. Maybe try to catch uh, CLG off-guard on that front. I like the Vagar bot both games. That was uh, interesting from LJX. Honestly, kind of felt like they were starting to scale uh, near the end of game number two, but... And not in any conceivable way that where they were going to be able to get, punch that goldie that CLG Challengers was getting. Um, but, you know, the flexing from the Jace that was top for Surdy first game and then Aspect for a second game, I think was cool. Um, I don't know. This is another roster alongside CLG Faith where I really hope that they show something more than what they show during this season during the relegation tournament. And even if they do get relegated, I don't want these team to blow up. I really enjoy watching these players. And at the very least, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Gordo, there's a chance that these guys will be able to find a home elsewhere, maybe on a team that just gels a little bit better or has some other uh, players that can carry a bit more to help make up the developmental slack that they're currently going through. Yeah, I, I will say, I think Surdy is destined for, for higher things, right? I think he's destined to be on a Challengers roster. Again, in a split where the top lane pool looked relatively weak across the board, I think Surdy stood out as a player that was particularly good. Um, and then, aspect I want to see in, in the qualifier circuit again in particular. He I called this out last, uh, last episode, and I'm going to stick to my guns here. 
Uh, I think he should be playing in qualifiers before you get into NACL. And Aspect is a player who takes a year off uh, and gets a free pass because he looked pretty good on Prodigies, which, you know, I mean, more power to him. Good for him. No hate to the individual player. Um, I just think it's a bad move when building rosters, though. And I think, you know, he has one or two good-looking games this split, but otherwise is one of our lower-tiered mid laners. And uh, I don't know. I think you should ask the players to be active in that qualifier circuit before you just throw them into the fire like this. I think it's kind of an unfair situation for him, if anything, to, to just be taken right up to this level after a year-long break, having never played at the level before. So I'm only in for Trial of Fire, as you guys know me, so it's I'm not against the decision from Aspect, especially if if it was like they approached him and they said, yeah, I want like, I, I, I to go all in. I feel like that's... Yeah, no, no hate to the player like... any player should yeah, take no... the offer when they get it yeah i think it's on the scout and on the team the the gming you know but like i'm also saying like for teal like i'm 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 fine if they want to like throw like the the player towards the trial of fire like i'm fine on both parts is what i'm trying to say it's not like i'm against it if they want to do i like this goes also hand in hand with if they are going to do it though they know they have to know the risks that it brings and the commitment that it needs to bring forward as well. So I hope that if if they committed to this, it's because they also are willing to give him a second chance. If TL first stays up and they can still continue, like they get, still give him chances. That's what I hope for, uh, comes forward with aspect. I will say though, TL first, like it's a searchy team and a, a spice and little bits from aspect and city witty sometimes. Like that's how I see TL first. And if Surti is not doing the best, then the team doesn't really look that great. And even when he's doing the best, like the rest of the team is kind of trying to be there to 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 provide for more. So I have not a lot of aspirations for Teal first. I do think though that they are the well from the three lower that are Flyfam, CLG, Faith, and Teal first, probably the one one of the the ones or the one that has one of the better chances to stay up, since I think that Surdy has more carry potential compared to the other teams where I'm trying to see who will be their main carry, right? Like, that's kind of the, the main difference that puts TL first a little bit ahead of them for me. I really want to see uh, TL first versus TikTok Tony top. Uh, we got the two. I don't know how you... Uh, do you call them franchise top laners? But yeah, I think that's going to be a really fun clash. Uh, so looking forward to that one at the very least. And already excited about relegation. I think that's the way that NACL wanted it. And it's at least paying off on that front. You know, you've got... Two of my favorite teams in the ACL now stuck in this godforsaken tournament. True. Do we know the format for that, by the way? Or not yet? Uh, I mean, not in like a way that's super explicit. Um, let me see what I can do here. Uh, I can try to Is bring it going to be a knuckle fight? Yeah, so I think it, well, yeah, it's definitely a BO5 format. Uh, I would okay, have to check exactly... Nice. How they play it's like i mean i think it's a four team like double elim bracket or something like that let me let me go and check oh, the rule nice. here actually i'll i'll trim out some some dead space here let me go and check so that i can yeah. just look like i know the answer 
After the NACL playoffs, the provisional teams participating in the NACL regular season and NACL playoffs will be ranked by standing. Highest the four winning teams. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Here we go. The NACL promotion tournament will consist of the lowest four ranked provisional teams playing against the qualifying teams in a double elimination format featuring best of three matches in round one of the upper and lower brackets and best of five matches in round two of the upper and lower brackets. The four winning teams of the round two upper and lower brackets promoted teams will qualify for the NACL regular season of the succeeding split. Okay, so upper bracket will get two chances in BO5. Uh, every, well, so everybody get... starts in upper bracket, so I assume it's high seeds, high seed yeah, no, but qualifier I mean, like, teams. Winners of the, yeah, high the seed qualifier of the teams bracket, up yeah. against low seed NACL teams uh, for the first okay. round. And then you play best of three, uh, so it's like going to be Maryville against CLG Faith or whatever. Um, and then losers move down to losers bracket. Uh, depending on how many upsets there are, you might even have to play a loser's bracket match up against a like another NACL no, team uh, yeah. or something like that. And then you play further rounds until there's only four teams left. So two wins yep. on the upper bracket gets you into NACL. So it's a fine format, it's I suppose. One. does mean that everybody doesn't play everybody, but yeah, I think that's just how it is always going to be. Uh I think it's not, not want to say the first because there probably is a fairer way to go for it. But like, I, I still think that if you're like, there should be an incentive to be in NACL in that, in that sense. So like, I think that for NACL teams, it gives them the best chance. Even if you were like in the relegation, the higher seed in the relegation gets the lower seed in that regard and gets a lot of opportunities. And then even if you fall down, you still get two chances. So, all in all, I'm not against it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That is going to do it for our uh, recap from last week. So, let's chat instead now about how the bracket is going to look for next week. So, it's getting a little funky here. It's going to be four days again next week. It's going to start with day one. It's going to be all of the losers bracket games. So, I'd say we should start there as well. It's going to be first up. We'll try to run through this a little bit fast because the episode's already going pretty long. Uh, we start off with TSM Challengers up against Wildcard. Um, I think Wildcard's going to 2-1. I don't have faith in them ever cleanly 2-0-ing another series throughout this bracket, but I think that they are still a cut above TSM. Yeah, I am on 2-1 for wildcard as well. I will never predict zero losses in a wildcard series for the rest of this tournament. They've lost that privilege uh, as they drop a game to CLG Faith. And I'm going to close it out with 2-1 as well for wildcard. I think that wildcard, even though they did drop a game, I think TSM should have in them. Once again, Hunter on carrying out one of the series. But, like, mid lane was, I think that Wildcard will, like, take advantage of the weak point of TSM. So, I, I, I'm i pretty confident in them taking this to one. For sure. All right, moving on. Fly Challengers up against AoE Gold. So, I will also call out here, by the way. So, one more team gets relegated if one of these provisional teams loses here and the other one wins, then that's the team that gets relegated regardless. Yeah. So a big upset by AoE over FlyQuest here, and then an up, a quote-unquote upset, a seeding upset perhaps, by TSM over Fly, uh, over Wildcard, rather, 
uh, would mean that Wildcard's the team that gets relegated and AoE's the team that's safe, despite their regular season standings. With that said, it would require AoE to take down FlyQuest Challengers, a team that I am predicting to make the full lower bracket run. So I don't think that's going to happen. 2-0 FlyQuest. 2-0 FlyQuest for me as well. Uh, I, I just am kind of reminded, Gordo, by uh, Hawk's tweet during the uh, CLG Faith uh, game versus Wildcard, where every single one of these NACLQ teams is just preying on God that Wildcard doesn't bungle it and now have to go play in the relegation tournament. Probably, like, single-handedly, like, rolling over all comers. Um, maybe Maryville has a chance. Maybe TikTok's going to top has a chance. But, I mean... <laughs> While Wildcard has kind of become the poster child for, like, inconsistent greatness, they still are great. They have great in that part of the title. So, uh, yeah, I don't really see uh, that that's going to happen. But at least on the AoE side, I am virtually certain that this is going to be the team getting knocked down. For the record... I actually, like, I almost think it, like, doesn't matter when we're talking about, like, fourth team to get relegated. Like, obviously it matters. You know, anything can happen once we get to that tournament. Um, but I just, I don't think qualifier teams are that deep. I don't think, like, whether it's AoE or Wildcard, I don't think either of them are at any risk of getting relegated. You know, they, they're they not even going to have to see Maryville. There's, you know, they're, they're going to be up against whoever the fourth seed out of the qualifier is. They're going to be playing against, like, Supernova, who no longer has Hyper... Uh, or they're going to be playing its team ambition who no longer has Aaron or town like the the NACLQ pool dries up past the top I would even say the top one team I don't even think I'm pretty going to be predicting TikTok Tony top to be very competitive so I, I think either of these teams will be fine regardless so I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world I think AOE is head and shoulders above the qualifier teams that they would have to play against but that's getting ahead of ourselves into the relegation tournament. Um, they will be relegated here, though, by FlyQuest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, closing it out, too, as well, as well for me. Like we were saying, I think FlyQuest will run the bracket through the lower bracket. So, like, it should be a pretty... Well, I wouldn't say clean, Joe. I want to give chances to AoE that it won't be clean, but it's 2-0 anyway. And, yeah, like, it doesn't really matter to me who the fourth relegated team is, wildcard or AoE. I think either of them survive in the relegation tournament so it's not like i'm that worried about them agree it would be a big surprise moving on golden guardians challengers against imt challengers i personally do not share narco's uh concerns for gg i think they still showed quite a bit in their last series i think array and young are firing on all cylinders um yeah i think imt they look good against their fly fam opponents but i think they are probably at a lower tier across the board maybe if add has like one of his crazy on form games like i know we hate on add a lot on this podcast but he's had like you know i think he's had more good games than bad over the last like three weeks total like not by a huge amount like maybe it's like 60 40 um but if he just rolls off a couple great games in a row i think concept is somebody you could do that against you know especially if he picks singed um so maybe an outside chance but i wouldn't predict it i'm gonna be taking golden guardians challengers 2-0 you already know mine i'm also on the tour train i have no hopes for imt i will keep myself like i don't like the word hater but once again i'm from latin america i watched him playing in the latin america tournament and i don't like 
how he played in that in that in the in the LLA. So I don't think that ADD will have a great performance, and I don't think IMT will have a great performance in general. I like I'm behind Jong in a raid to hyper carry everything and pull off. You know what? Screw you guys. I think IMT is taking this over uh, <laughs> GG. No. Uh, I'm almost willing to say 2-0 IMT, but <laughs> that's mostly just because I'm trying to like account for the variance that inherently comes in a best of three format where 2-0s can happen even if a team is not definitively, you know, over the course of like multiple BO3s going to consistently 2-0. So on that front, I'll say 2-1, but I really do think that IMT has gotten their wits about them. Obviously, FlyFam is not the biggest opponent uh, to make a statement against early, but I don't know. I think that they really do have the elements to come through and win. And I know this is like a new change in me in recent weeks because I was also an IMT hater, but per perhaps it's just like a Wixie's dad buff. And I just see how wholesome that is. But, uh, you know, not only do I want them to win, I think that they have an actual decent shot at doing so. They have a good bot lane. Um, and I really think that like GG has while they exceeded my expectations still has issues that they have, in my opinion, not really addressed or worked through super well throughout the course of the season. Yeah. I will say, I do think it's Chad's meta. So I think that's a lot of what's making IMT starting to look better. Like, I think he really wants to be playing, you know, the Viegos and the graves and that kind of stuff. And he can do that now more on 13, five. Um, but I think, I think young is a lot better than Balulu. Um, I also think, like, Array and Prismal as a duo are a lot better than Wixie and Joey. I think Wixie has been good, but I do think that uh, Array has been, like, fantastic. You know, I, I think even in the series that they that they drop, right, to... Um, uh, or, yeah, even in the series that they drop to... Fear. Uh, yeah, to Fear. I think he looks very, very good. No Balulu anymore, Gordo. I know that, like, you've been trying Did to... Did I say Balulu? I, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, no, uh, not <laughs> Balulu. Um, yeah, I think he, I think uh, Young is a lot better than Yusui. I also, I don't think Young is a lot better than Balulu, but I do think he's a lot better than Yusui. So, <laughs> you know, keeping everything together here. Um, I think Young is better... I think Young is better than current opponent mid laner. Uh, I do not necessarily think he's better than other mid laner who may or may not be playing in this series. We don't know actually. Like they could actually. They just did run Balulu for one game because they submitted uh, their roster too late. By the way, <laughs> they still lost. <laughs> they did still just lose, saying. but yeah. By the way, uh, so you know, I already went on my management rant on why you need to get your players <laughs> subbed out earlier last week. So I'm not going to repeat myself, but I will say, dear God, how is Balulu playing a second week of NACL? <laughs> after already being an lcs dude that is unacceptable yep. um anyway moving on uh Yarko, you got outvoted we're moving gg challengers on in the bracket uh it's okay we know what happened to tds this week true so. true true yeah we've been wrong before but you get outvoted nonetheless tl challengers up against clg challengers this is a tight one i think you know yep. like i know i just said that i believe in clg's ability to come back that's before I realized they're playing TL Challengers. I think I would give it to <laughs> TL two to one. I I don't know. I think that maybe TL they 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 are kind of on the TL first debuff train. You know, CLG's already beaten their sister team, so who knows how TL proper is gonna do, right? Um, 
No, in all honesty, I think that 2-1 is relatively fair in favor of Team Liquid. But yet again, I find myself kind of on the divergent opinion. I think that CLG, given the fact that we have Kevy playing champions that also are profiting quite nicely in this meta, has a really good shot at this one. Their Lee Sin looked really good versus TL first. They also got the reps in on the Viego as well. Um, Jenkins fully willing to play a bunch of like these like AP ish top laners. Uh, I think Gragas is going to be constantly contested on both sides throughout this upcoming series. But you know, this is definitely within the wheelhouse of, C of CLG to win. I think that they are well positioned in this meta, and I think that they'll make a statement. See, I uh, isn't Mir just kind of better, Kevy? At the end of the day, they're both coming in from Osh. They're both mm. way better on these carry centric picks. They both got a sickly sin. Uh, I think Mirrors just look better overall throughout the season, so I I, I take Mirror in that head to head. That's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, as you can tell, I'm not feeling too strong one way or the other about this one. Maybe it's just my CLG bias, right? Like I can no longer root for Faith, so sister team it is for me. Uh, we'll, we'll see what TDS has to say, and if I will finally be able to get a vote that is an advantage this time around. Well, the logic that I used for TSM was. It wasn't like it was heavily in favor of TSM, right? Like I said, it's probably a 60-40, 55-45, and I'm not even sure. But like I still believe TSM, and I thought that they had their win conditions. Sadly for CLG, I see it going to one for TLC as well. And the, the reasoning is going to be similar to TSM in that, like, bot lane-wise, which is one of the weaker potential parts that I could see them taking advantage of, they don't really take advantage of the enemy bot lane that much, so you're not taking advantage of one of the places where you could take advantage of TLC. Top lane, it's going to be kind of neutral, like we're already seeing Bradley going for the tanks, and then it's going to be the same for CLG, so not like you're going to change that much. And I think that they have an advantage in mid lane, because I think APA is better than Kopi, so I am not sure where you really are going to take a lot of advantage of as CLGC, and then... Even if there's like weird stuff that happens with me or any, or something like that with with like Arrow and Kim Town, TLC has been trending towards going for scaling kind of comps. And CLG is not a super early, hyper aggressive, take advantage early kind of team. So I'm I'm not sure that they will find the windows that, for example, we saw C9 C take advantage of to try and run down the game on TLC. So I feel like TLC this is probably going to be their one of their most comfortable remaining opponents because the other one is like if they win they go against gg challengers and i think that that's going to be one of the hardest they're going to have as well so this is their their best chance to qualify if they don't qualify i've lost all I, I will lose all hope for them obviously fair enough so the way the schedule moves on there is we do winner's bracket then along with loser's bracket again on the sunday and then we get into our best of fives so let's run through the winner's bracket we're not going to end up missing out on any of the scheduled games this time so on winner's side it is going to be cloud nine challengers up against cincinnati fear and what will be their last best of three for the uh for the split this is a weird one right because it's sad to say that fear is probably going to get kind of rolled but they're kind of going to get rolled, guys, as much as they are kind of the heroes of the provisional teams. And I think 
still very competitive when they move down to the loser's bracket. Move down to the loser's bracket, they will. It's unfortunate, but I do think that while Fear is probably going to make a relatively deep bracket run in loser's side, it will, in fact, be on loser's side. So C9, they give real no, really no indication that they're letting up their momentum and their growth that they've shown, especially in the back half of the regular season. And I think this team has a pretty solid golden road all the way to the finals. Yeah, I'm on the same boat here. I just don't see enough chinks in the armor for uh, really there to be any room for anybody to really be predicting against C9 challengers. Like, I, I'm i going to need to see some more poor games out of them in this bracket stage before I start predicting them to not win. And I have yet to see that. Maybe Cincinnati Fear will be the team that shows it, and then maybe that'll mean some interesting things for my winner's finals prediction next week. Uh, but I haven't seen it yet, and that means I have no reason to doubt that C9 will be able to take it up against Fear. I'm on the same boat as you guys. It's 2-0 for Cloudlane Challengers, and I think a lot of that has to do that even though Fear did qualify and they did a good job against G, they did get quite a bit exposed in that series. Like I think a lot of that came down to the wire for Fear, and they were able to pull off but C9C looks like a much better team. I've really like Lost and Cecil so far in playoffs. Like I think mm-hmm. they've been playing really, really well. Like I, I think this is the most the most I've liked from them all split long. They're playing really consistently good. They're putting pressure. They're trying to take advantage, and I think they are really performing to an even higher level than I think they, they were already doing in in the regular split. Yeah, and they're still playing Lucianami too, which like isn't yeah. even that good. So imagine them with a real bot lane selection. Win with a real bot lane. <laughs> For sure. I feel that's what Jack Spain's actually say all the time whenever it's solo queue <laughs> and their bot is now like 0-8 by the end of 14-minute mark. Imagine if I had a real bot lane. Don't even yeah. need a real weapon, just other players on my team. Yeah, that's, that's me in a lot of solo queue games for sure in all <laughs> chat, but... Moving on, other side of winner's bracket is Dig Challengers up against 100 Challengers. I'll go first this time. I think it's going to be a 100 Thieves Challengers win 2-1 against Dixie. And the thing is, I feel like the like the like how solid they've been with Darshan is actually something... I'm not necessarily surprised, but it, it was a weaker like adaptation than I thought it would be. And uh, it did say that Darshan was going to be like the, one of the most consistent top laners that you could get to fill up a spot that you needed to fill and that it wouldn't take that much. And it's looking seamlessly with 100 Thief. And the thing is that if it was FlyQuest here, I would favor FlyQuest. But the, the one of the advantages that, a Fly, that 100 Thieves has over Dixie that I think is going to be really prevalent is Botling. I, f- I feel like I'm forgiven and... Destiny are going to be able to utilize a really big advantage through botlane to just win the game. And I don't think that Midlane is going to be that big if they ban ASOL, which I think should come through. Or if they have a better plan for ASOL, it should work out. I think it should be a 2-1 in favor of 100 Thieves. And Forgiving is great. Yeah. And actually, it wasn't in my original bracket, like my pre-tournament yeah. bracket. Especially because Maybe. in my pre-tournament bracket, it was CLG here um because i had (laughs) so i'm definitely way doomed on that part of uh of the points calculation for the the cincy fear contest but 
you know, looking at it now, getting the chance to re-predict uh, on the show, I think I agree with you, TDS. I think I actually would also go 2-1 to one for 100 Thieves Challengers. And I think a lot of what convinces me, right, is our thoughts when we saw Sniper get subbed out for Darshan is like, Darshan is probably perma-weak-sided, which he is a little bit, don't get me wrong. Um, and, and now this team has to play through bot lane explicitly every single game. But I actually think the 100 Thieves vs. TSM series, that was one of the more unforgiven lists series that we've seen from 100 Thieves all split. They, like, it's very much about Yukino and Destiny pairing up and moving around the map and just destroying TSM at every opportunity. And Unforgiven is kind of just sitting there doing his AD carry job. And, it, you know, I think it could have been, it could have been almost any ADC in the league uh, in that is playing for 100 Thieves in that series against TSM. And I think it goes pretty much the same. It was all about Destiny and uh, and Yukino and how they were able to pair together and make plays around the map. So they almost seem like they have a new kind of flexibility, a new layer to their play than they had with Sniper. I can't imagine why. Maybe a little Darshan shot calling, perhaps. Uh, but for whatever the reason, I, I think they look a lot better. I think Dictatos Challengers should have lost to FlyQuest. Um, so I'm willing to give this to 100 Thieves. So I'll call it a hot take if you want. Really, guys, I'm getting outvoted on probably the most normie take here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Dixie just has their number. I, I don't know what to say, man. Um, I agree with the articulation that TDS goes for, that Unforgiven probably is the best player out of anyone on either of these teams. The issue is he's playing ADC, man. The role sucks. Like, I understand that we're starting to focus bot again in this meta, but, like... This is not a bot lane that you can just see Unforgiven walk into 2v2 and bully, get early kills, and snowball by themselves, right? So, with that in mind, I do believe we're going to get a refocus back to mid, and Insanity is just too good. Um, they're going to have a little bit more priority early, or alternatively, they just pick Asol, perma scale, have a free lane because Insanity is still very, very good at the laning phase, even on weak-sided champions. And I just don't really see a chance for 100 Thieves to convincingly be over at a be over 50% win rate in the series. Like, I they have a chance, don't get me wrong. We're always playing games of odds here. But I'm going to go and say, I think this is 2-0 for Dig C. I fear that 100 Thieves just will not be able to find their footing against a team like this. It's really going to come down to Yukino, I think. If he can look like Yuji looked last week, then I think he can do it. Um... You know, I think XU got pretty exposed in that series. Um, and I do think that Pretty is a little bit higher in my tier list than Spyrax. I think Pretty is one of the mid laners in this league who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Insanity and, and do a good job. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. I think this is one of the better matchups that we've discussed so far. This is going to be an exciting series. Yeah, if there's anything to watch, it's going to be this one. Two teams that genuinely can be top contenders going after one another. 100 Thieves, the collective best team as voted upon by the Salt Mine early on in our lifespan. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, Dig C, the Dark Horse, the one that Bonfire nominated all those weeks ago, still going strong. Uh, it should be a good one overall. And like I said, it's close, right? I'm not giving any more than like a 10 to 20% edge. And even 20% feels like it's pushing it in favor of Dig C. But 
for me at the very least, Digsy does come out on top. Probably 2-1, maybe 2-0, but like I said, that that kind of uh, differentiation comes much more down to just the inherent variation that comes from a best of three rather than it being about much else, right? Um, at the same time, though, uh, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Gordo, I still do believe that Dig C should lose to Fly Challengers. And if we get a best of five between the two teams, I think Dig C falls to Fly Challengers. It's just a matter of, you know, where we are in the bracket right now. Uh, Fly C somehow is already in loser's bracket and it's just gathering their minions down there to make a really deep push. And so I guess for 100 Thieves, they got to breathe a sigh of relief that, in fact, they're going up against the inferior team and making it a little bit closer than I think it would be. But that could also be me going a little too deep on fly challengers and how strong I think they are. We'll have to see. All right. And then moving on to that lower bracket, we'll call Yao voted again, Yarko, once again, as we we're going to move 100 Thieves challengers on. So that means mm. we revisit the lower <laughs> bracket. We are now in one, two, three, four. We're now in top eight. Uh, and this is the last round of best of threes. So this would be wildcard gaming taking on fly challengers to be in that top six category. I yeah. said that I was never going to say that wildcard two O's a series ever again, but I will say, I think they're going to owe two a series fly challengers just probably stomps these guys. Unfortunately, bringing the end to one of the more storied teams, especially the more storied provisional teams in the entirety of the NACL kind of sad to say this but i feel like they get outplayed in essentially every lane against yep. against flyquist so yeah it's a 2-0 a pretty straightforward 2-0 and i like i'm glad wildcard showcased good things i hope that their players either get moved up or they like they stay together it would be fun anyway for the ncl but like I'm, I'm glad what they attempted and what they brought the discourse they were they brought forward as well it was really fun to see so like I'm glad with what they, it happened, but every great story needs a crushing finale, and that's what's going to happen to Volk. Yeah, it's it's really a shame too because if they won, they would get to go play a best of five against Cincinnati Fear, at least the way we're drawing things out. So that would have yep. been dope. Um, but no, I mean I'm not letting off the FlyQuest uh, gas just for that reason. So I would also uh, be on board for a FlyQuest win here to zero. And that takes us down to Golden Guardians Challengers versus TL Challengers for the last spot in the top six. This is another, this would be another really tight one, at least in my books. Maybe not for Nyarko, because Nyarko thinks it's going to be Immortals here. But, uh... <laughs> True. Yeah, I think regardless, I'm going to... Really, guys? I was already bullied by Twitch chat this week. You're going to do this to me? It's your prediction. Just reading your prediction is bullying you, Nyarko. I think you need to take you're a look at what you're time. predicting based off of. It, it, it's, it's more tedious immediately laughing at me. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. That's probably bullying. That probably counts as bullying. <laughs> but... Speaking of bullying, I think TL Challengers uh, is probably the better of these two teams based on what we've seen so far. Um, you know, I think they looked uh, pretty solid in their series against Wildcard. I think they showed some good things against Cloud9 Challengers, and I think that team is like kind of unbeatable for this league. Um, so I think I will be predicting them uh, to beat Golden Guardians. I'll go. My prediction got messed up quite heavily by Gigi messing up with a cinch pick. I hate them. 
for that <laughs> because they would look amazing. And it also, like, it doesn't put me in this spot because I wanted GG to do good and I want TLC to do good. Those are the two teams I was having a lot of hope and faith and emotions for. And now they're facing against each other. It's like watching your two childs fight against each other. Like, the dumb child against the other dumb child. It's just so <laughs> painful to see. And, like... I, I, I gotta go with my dumb child, my first dumb child, the one that I have the biggest hope for. I hope TLC does it, and I'm going for them. 2 1. I'm 2 1 but as well, really by the way. Aaron. I didn't give a record. I'm 2 1 as well. Yeah. Are you guys really Aaron is sparing these two teams? Come on, TDS. It's, I wouldn't it's, call it's, them it's, children to any degree whatsoever. They're like multi million dollar corporations. No, they're, they're the that. ones that I have in my heart, and that's okay. why it's so I, difficult. For me to see my dumb two children fighting against each other but like they're still <laughs> dumb and they i still have to deal with this and i still believe in tlc the biggest problem here is that it's like like the difference is if i said clg tsm was 45 55 this is like 50 i think this is how like how it works like 49.5 to 49.5 or 50.5 to 53.5. I'm not sure how it works. 50.5, 49.5. You got to have one and the other. Yeah, like it's something like that. That That's it. That That's the difference I'm going for. It's so minuscule that if GG does it, I would be absolutely not surprised at all. And I would be 40... cursing against TLC. It's 49.5 to 49.5 with the last percent just being that the two teams are constantly deadlocked forever because, you know, a League of Legends game doesn't actually have to end and they'll be playing by the next time we're on the podcast. It's the, um, yeah, why not? the coin just lands not. on its <laughs> side. and it's... <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I will add one last thing. I think this is the most important series for TLC particularly because if they actually pull off, I, I think here, is a really good sign because GG is one team that does try and go for like the early kind of game that can punish late game, late game scaling really effectively. And if TLC shows really good signs of not only surviving that, but being able to go against it in an effective manner, I think that it may change some of the dynamics in other matchups. But like this is the, this is the their hardest test that they'll be facing, obviously so far, and may really be a good like showcase of their true true skill before i received spawn to tds's point i realized i didn't actually say who i think was going to win i think it's pretty yeah. obvious that i'm also on the tl train probably 2-0 um you know at the very best it's just going to be karmic punishment if this is how the bracket actually plays out and we see imt's defeaters themselves get pushed down and out of the bracket uh i, I imagine that tl is probably going to emerge victorious here but now to respond to your point TDS. They have to play against either a hundred thieves or Dignitas after this. I yep. don't think that no matter how good they look here, that they actually have a chance against either of those teams. Oh, like it's not necessarily that I think that the, they like they need to look amazing. They just like the biggest thing is that this is the team that will more likely give them the biggest troubles in terms of early game play style because both a hundred thieves and Dixie, even though I do think. They are probably better teams on paper, I would argue. They are not super early, fast-paced kind of teams either. Like, they don't punish you in the same way like a C9C or a GG does. So so I, I feel like this is kind of the... Or FlyQuest C, like we've seen recently as well, either. So, like, this is the biggest test in that sense. And, and the most similar matchup 
that you faced against C ninety. That's kind of the the main thing here because style style what or play style wise, I think DLC is similar to a certain degree to hundred thieves. Similar, not not the same at all. It's particularly botting, but similar to a certain degree. All right. Two more matches. These would be our first best of fives. Based on yeah. our predictions, we have Cincinnati Fear taking on FlyQuest Challengers in the first best of five on Monday. Well, I see probably three O's. Um, once again, variance maybe is a 3-1, but it, it certainly is not going to be favored for Fear regardless of what you write the record as. Um, at least in my eyes, FlyC is one of the best teams in the league and you know at this point they've played enough matches for me to confidently say that they are gelling with this roster with everybody on land now um sure maybe they didn't ban the aurelian soul they've clearly learned that lesson not only for specifically the dig matchup but i think for future matchups in the bracket as well uh so i just don't really see them giving fear any quarter so i just realized that i in my bracket, I I didn't put this as the PO5, but like everything, there's things wrong with my bracket anyway, so it's not like it matters that much. But yeah, I think it's going to be a 304 FlyQuest. They are running, I, I put them as running the gauntlet. I still think they're going to run the gauntlet. And it, I actually think that running the gauntlet, it probably gives them even more power because it gives them more like playtime, more prep time, well, not more prep time, but more playtime and more like cohesion because we need to remember Winsome came in like two weeks ago or three weeks ago more or less to play with the team so any more extra games they get is better for them and this isn't like evo or a fighting game tournament where you're just jamming game after game after game in losers bracket in the course of like one or two days you have a lot of rest time i don't think that endurance is actually going to be a major issue for a deep losers bracket run especially for a team like fly challengers uh Really, given how the narrative is playing out, they almost were dropped loser's bracket in a fluke game, right? Um, and with that being the case, this is the most winningest team or the team with the highest momentum uh, experiencing a temporary setback. And as good as Fear has been, as much as they have indelibly impacted the perceptions of the NACL and the way that we talk about provisional teams, this is unfortunately where the run comes to an end. Not at all a bad showing from them, but... You know, I, I actually, I'll give them a charity game. I'm going to say 3-1. I'm going to go back and say 3-1. But, uh, you know, th that's mostly just a thank you gift for them making this a very exciting uh, split. Thank Unfortunately, that time is here. Yeah. Thank you for existing, Fear. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of shocked we're here and thanking you after the, the start to the season and everything that we said in our first episode. But, you know, I guess we also got to make amends on that front. Yeah, well, there there goes my hot take, because I would also say 3-1 for Fly Challengers. Uh, you know, I think Perry can get there one game. You know, he, he sets up Shochi, he sets up uh, Faisal, you know. Something happens somewhere, and, and they manage to eke out a win. I think I would, I'm going to predict that at the very least. Uh, I think they have enough of a cohesive strategy together, and I think they're good enough players that they'll be able to find one somewhere. I also think, like, Philip and Spyrax are punishable, uh, you know. I think the team as a whole looks very good, but I don't think... I think the solo lanes are the weak point, uh, at least at this juncture, and I think Cincinnati Fear can take advantage of that and win a game, maybe even win two games, but I would not be predicting them to actually uh, take the whole series. So, looks like we're unanimous on that one. 
And then let's move it down to the lower bracket. We got Dig Challengers up against TL Challengers based on our predictions. Uh, would be 100 Thieves Challengers if you believe in a Dig win in the upper bracket. But I think regardless, this is where we have to lose some faith for TL. Uh, I, I, I've sent them farther than I expected to in the preseason and even farther than I probably would have expected to in... Uh, a lot of the regular season like I was not super high on this team especially after they started slipping later on um they made a pretty deep run here I've I've predicted them over Golden Guardians challengers which surprises even myself but I will not predict them over Dignitas I think Dignitas is moving on my bracket had 100 thieves here and even then I had TLC over them now Dixie it's still something I think TLC can beat, especially if they beat GDC. I think TLC will pull it off. I'm going to call out the like the hot take of mine over all the brackets, over the bracket this time around. TLC will win, and I think I will say 3-1. I'm going to go 3-1. If it, it, like the, the thing is, if it goes to five games, I think they lose. So, <laughs> so, so it has to be a 3-1. At uh, like at the bare minimum, so yeah, I, I'm gonna believe. I I have high hopes for TLC. Like I'm said, it's my dumb child, and I have a lot of expectations and belief, and I like them, and I hope APA pulls off, and he hyper carries the games, because I, I like I believe in APA and three one. Yeah, those are my reasons. Um, <laughs> I, I respect your fandom, TDS, given that I have been voting for Immortals throughout the night. I just cannot fathom this happening to Dig C, a team that I would say maybe if you were to read them as uncharitably as possible, had a small slip up at the end of the season, but otherwise has been just perfectly consistent, very, very dominant, uh, winning almost all of their matchups. And also they're one of these top teams without a roster swap, any kind of switch ups, right? There is no, you know, talk about, you know, going from Eminence to Diplex, right? There's no alteration topside where snipers leaving or taking a break, right? This is a team that has had a winning formula from day one. They have adjusted to the meta pretty well. They continue to win late. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just don't really see TL, unfortunately, having much of a chance here. I'll, I'll go 3-1 um, because three O's suck, and I actually think are like pretty hard to pull off, regardless of how good of a team you are, right? Like, it's the classic T1 uh, problem of just, you know, inting a game, giving a free one over. But, you know, for best of five, I don't think that they're doing that twice in a row. I think that this is pretty clearly going to be in Diggs' wheelhouse. I respect it. Like, it, I have my belief, but I, I'll try and give some analytical thoughts on the why. Because there's one thing that DXC will always struggle here against almost every like team. And it's, I think, bottling it's not going to be an issue or like if you go against DXC. So for TLC, that is a team that doesn't have a really aggressive bottling that can make the most out of them. I think DXC is one of the better matchups because if it was 100 Thieves, I would be much more worried. Like Unforgiven would have punished Arrow much, much more. And same for Kim Down. So that is a little bit of a positive. And then... I think that top lane wise, once again, Hoon was a, a player that I have. I thought he wasn't performing the best. 
in terms of how he probably was on the regular season to now, I don't think that he's performing to that higher of a degree. I think that he will struggle against every remaining top laner. So I feel like there's potential for TLC sidelines to actually be able to perform because you're not going to get pushed into a tough situation. And if it becomes a battle for late game fights, I think TLC has improved up tremendously into that. And once again, if they are able to go over a team that can actually punish them early on, like GGC, I think that 100 uh, Dixie will be a team that they can go against as well. Now, it looks difficult. It's really difficult. Like once again, if they go to five games, Dixie probably wins that. But I think it's going to be the 3-1 for TLC. It's my hot take. I respect the hot take, but yeah, I'm with Nyarko in that I think it's going to be Dig Challengers taking yeah. it. I do think it's a fair point that I think their bot lane isn't quite as aggressive as they once were when they had Tomo. Um, but I don't think that that completely eliminates them as a threat. I think Spawn has looked like a serviceable team fighting AD carry. I think he's had some really great positioning and repositioning in some of these fights, uh, especially in the Winterside bracket up against FlyQuest. I think he had some very solid games there and uh even though a lot of the credit goes to insanity you know i think he individually had some good performances i will also say i think diamond like on the thresh especially really surprised me this last week i think he looked really good um you know just found a lot of really good dark passage angles found a lot of really good hooks and really kept them in some of those games so was as crucial a part as anybody of dragging these games against fly challengers out as long as they needed to be dragged out um and even showed a little bit of extra depth with the morgana pick didn't work out but looked at least solid in lane so i'm i'm excited to see diamond throughout the rest of this tournament i think he might surprise some people and i'm gonna continue to predict the chess challengers to win up until they rematch fly quest you mean until they lose to tlc right because it's gonna happen <laughs> no i'm i'm actually I, i'm predicting them over tlc right now that's that's what's happening here so yeah, okay you guys are wrong it's gonna be a tsmc situation again right, fair enough well we'll have another check in next week to find out who does end up being right um where we'll probably stay on this slightly different upload schedule this is coming out on a friday morning instead of a thursday morning as per usual uh and since the next week goes I guess it's just one series on Tuesday, so maybe we could conceivably marathon it and then record, but probably not going to happen. Probably going to be another Friday morning episode. So that's going to do it for this week. So we will see you on that next Friday morning. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning on in. Check out the NACL this weekend. And we're going to be back next week with a similar setup. We'll have eight series once again to break down or... Yeah, eight series to break down, or ten series? One, two, six, ten series. Ten series to break down. Two of them best of fives. So a lot of gameplay coming in, and uh, then we're going to be really deep into the bracket at that point. I mean, we're going to already be in top four, so going to be some real in-depth discussions of those teams as we approach the winner side final and the loser side semifinal. But... Till then, that is going to do it. We will see you all next time.